Welcome back to another very special episode of Experiential Travel Podcast. We have an incredible guest, uh, Miss Jenna Carpenter. She's the owner of Canvas Occasions and the mama of the second cutest dog in the world, next to Bronxy. I'm just kidding. True is an absolute stunner. She has 12 bell tents uh, in Northern California, and we're going to learn about her pop-up glamping business, but also her best practices and what she has done well and what she uh, what she learns along the way as well. So uh, let's jump right into it. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Lex. I'm excited. Yeah. So I want to start from the beginning. How did you get into this? What made you go glamping? Uh, you're very entrepreneurial based, which is awesome. Uh, so I'm kind of curious on why glamping. Yes. Um, this comes from a really meaningful place for me. Um, and there's a lot of reasons I went for it, but first of all, I grew up camping. Um, we weren't super wealthy. We didn't go on extravagant vacations. We had, we went to the same camping spot, Pine Crest Lake, California every single year. And I feel like my sister and I did not go without, you know, um, there's something special about just like getting out there with the people you love. So what better thing to bring to others? And then second of all, I really wanted to create a career that is perfect for my authentic self. <laughs> so okay. in so many realms, which I imagine maybe we'll touch on, um, this has so many different parts that really reflect who I am and what I want to spend my day doing. So um, I love that. that's how it got well, started. Let's, yeah. Let's just jump into into that. Give me, give me an attribute or two that who you are that directly translates to the glamping business. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to leave my mark. Right. And so thinking like when I look back on it all, um, not to get too deep right off the bat, but you know, <laughs> the fact that bring people together and get people outside and get people to step away from the electronics and all of that. Um, it's special. Like those are the moments that people cherish and remember. And so um, I like to think that I really foster those connections to be made by setting the scene that really allows people to just not think about the stress of setting it up or going anywhere or doing anything. They just get to come and enjoy each other's company. Um, and then I also have a background in event management. So as a pop-up, I am planning events essentially, right? I'm planning glamping events. Um, and so I get to use my event management side in all of that. And then I have a love for design. And so what's really fun um, in my take on pop-up glamping is that I allow people to bring me themes and, and different things like that. I really get to know my clients. And then I create a bell tent that's decked out in the way that would blow them away. And so I get to really design the space, which is super fun. That's awesome. I love that. So hold on. Let's backtrack a second. Um, the first thing you said, I resonate with that so much because I look back, well, I do the same thing. I'm like, if I'm on my deathbed or if I'm 90, 100 years old and I look back and, and my dad said this to me when I was a kid, I was like, why, why do you do what you do? And he, and it was a very short, my dad doesn't really talk a lot. And his response was, I want to be able to say that I left the planet just a little bit better than I, than uh, if I wasn't there. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, damn, that's that's like that's real. And he's like, I try to do that yeah. not only on a macro level but also on a micro level. Every environment, like I try to leave the kitchen a little bit cleaner than when I went into the kitchen. Uh, 
from like each bedroom to the the planet at large. So I think that 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 first take is so awesome because what we are doing is that what right we're we're allowing people to escape the craziness of the the social media and the technologies and the news and everything that and get back to the basics right get back to the land get back to totally. reconnecting with your loved ones which is there's nothing better um i love the fact that you also are able to tap into your strong sets strong uh attributes right uh, yeah. Tapping into your design, tapping into your hospitality, tapping into all of the things that make a good uh, glamping operator. You were able to tap into previous skills yeah. that translate directly to that. I think that's that's miraculous. Now, what what made you get it? Like, what, how did you learn about it? So, like, if yeah. you, I want to I want to know one the applicability of how you learned how to set everything up, but also like what. Did you like stumble across a bell tent on Instagram and you were like, I want to do that? Like what kind of got you to doing glamping? Yeah. So I've explored a few different careers in my time and again, kind of came to, I need to create my own career that works for me. Um, but the most recent before the business was I went to Thailand for my yoga teacher training. And that was where I was super exposed to um, glamping, indoor, outdoor spaces, and got to experience firsthand like the vibe they set to bring people together. Uh, there's a lot of that going on there, especially in the yoga community. Um, lots of people living in a treehouse that is a structure, but doesn't have any walls, you know? Um, and that's like casual for them. And for me coming from San Francisco Bay area, that was like, you don't have any walls on your house, <laughs> you know, like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but there's something about fresh air, you know, there's something about being in nature. And so there are lots of communities of people coming together in these indoor outdoor spaces and, um, those type of like glamping structures, of course. So that was my first, ex kind of my first exposure to real life glamping other than my mother who brought her curling iron to the campsite with us every year. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like my, it sounds like my mom, my mom is not a camper. Yeah. Um, I, I get that. So I get that so much. So then you went to Thailand, where in Thailand? Oh, I traveled all over. Um, but my, Training was on Copenhagen. It's a really small island. That's awesome. I love Thailand. Love, love, love Thailand. Yes. Um, same. So you did Thailand and then you came back and you were like, glamping. I, I want to do this. Yep. Your entrepreneurial mind just started coming up with ideas. The next step is yes. like learning glamping. Like it's not a it's not an easy task task to start off with. How no, did you it's learn? Not. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm so grateful. There are other people doing this. Like I can't take credit for the idea of pop-up glamping. Um, there are other people doing it. When I started mine, I had only found two other people on Instagram doing it. Now it's like blowing up. There are so many of us. And I'm sure as you know, the glamping community is a great one to be in. Such good people. Um, and so there were people doing it that I found and they were really kind people willing to give you information, willing to put their, their info out there. And they kept saying, there's more need for this than we can provide for. And that made me think that while I know I may be a crazy dreamer, you know, it really made me think like, they keep saying this, like, it's gotta be that people want it. And of course I could believe that I, I, I know I have a love for it myself. And so, um, I wasn't able to gain a ton of information 
before going in. This is like such a niche, you know, mm-hmm. I knew that people were doing it. Of course, I stopped their pages and kind of saw like tried to get a feel on what they were doing. But a lot of what I did was figure it out as I went, to be honest with you. And that may not be the best business advice, but it has worked out, you know. So that's awesome. You just dove in and you were like, I want to do bell tents and have no idea what I'm doing. A little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I, a little bit. Um, there was, to be honest, like a lot of it was, of course, I, I did look at other people doing it, try to get a feel of like, um, and, and me, I was just co- sort of mapping it out. What am I going to need? You know, really thinking it through, like, how am I going to get from point A to point B and make this happen? Um, it comes down to, you know, storage, um, transportation storage and crew, you know, those are the parts to figure out to physically be Mm -hmm. able to do it. Um, and so those were parts that took some planning and figuring out. Also, I saved money for a few years and I mentally prepared for a few years. I wanted to start the business a lot sooner than I did, but I wasn't ready yet, you know? Um, and so, I didn't have a training. I didn't go to business school. Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really have anybody that taught me the way. I I really just figured it out. That's amazing. I love the little tidbit that uh, you said that you wanted to start it a lot sooner than when you started it because yeah. I think every entrepreneur knows uh, at least the ones that I, I've, I've talked to, we, we have an inkling of wanting to go, wanting to go, well, everything needs to move quicker than it needs to be. And I think yes. the biggest uh, attribute you can lo- learn as an entrepreneur is patience. The biggest thing is being able to do your due diligence, be able to take as much time as you need to really, really go over the entire deal, go over the entire yes. business plan, go over the entire, everything you need to do, but then also be able to take that jump and take that risk. I think that there's there's a fun balance that we play as entrepreneurs of of just diving in but also doing the the research and the the study before, beforehand. So I Absolutely. think that it it's awesome to hear that you were able to really save up money, not only save up money but save up time and 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 knowledge on what you were going to start before you just spent all of the money. So I think that's that's a great lesson for some for someone watching this. Um, I want to talk about location. What made you choose? I know you live in NorCal. Is that was the proximity kind of the biggest decision? What made you choose the location you're in? Um, You know, it was but I've always been open to living in other places. I did give it quite a lot of thought. Um, Plug for NorCal. It's amazing. We have really (laughs) beautiful things all around us. it is Silicon Valley okay. and that Nor- part of it. NorCal is like rough. great if you're if you like second place. I mean, it's Southern California first, but okay. then NorCal second. Not until you've glamped with Canvas occasions, Lex, you'll be changing your mind. <laughs> Look, you guys just have the Golden State Warriors, and that is it. Okay? That's it. Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> um, yeah, Curry's here, so come glamp. Um, yeah, I. I knew one that we have a ton of nature around us. So you're in a place where one people come to visit, right? This matters to you too. Um, Everybody comes to visit the San Francisco barrier. Like that's not going to be a problem. There's going to be visitors. And then also a lot of people are into the outdoor thing here. Um, That's on an uptrend, you know, 
we have a lot of campgrounds. We have a lot of people with big backyards, you know, um, and I don't know if this sounds wrong, but like from a business standpoint, there's a lot of money here. You know, there people, there's a lot of people with money here. There's a lot of money to be spent here. Um, and events spending on events is quite on trend in the Bay. Um, and so in this place, I did want to say my family's here. This is my home, but, um, in this place, I could see from a business stance, it was going to be successful here more than I could justify going somewhere else. Now I did initially think I'd start on land. I'd start a glamping retreat. Right. Um, of course that was the first thought I couldn't afford to do that here. Land alone can cost you a million bucks here. You know, it is crazy <laughs> expensive. And so part of going the pop-up route was if I want to do it here, you know, really looking at that and what can I afford to start and then getting excited about that from there. Oh, wait, maybe this makes more sense for me anyways, you know. I don't think that that sounds wrong. You you said that Bay Area people have more money. I don't think that sounds wrong at all. Um, one of my favorite quotes is solve rich people's problems, they pay better. Ta-da. So <laughs> I think <laughs> I think you for marketing to to a certain demographic that pay better. I don't I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, so location wise, you were like, okay, in my backyard, I love that. I preach that as well. I think investing in your backyard is incredible. I think that uh, at least for your first one to understand how the business operates. So you're like, if you want to go venture out of state or across country, you can at least be like, okay, I ran into this problem already. I know how to solve it. And it's a, a phone call that you can explain instead of having to be boots on the ground and, and figure it out for yourself. So I think that that is a great a great tidbit for, for people to listen to as well is maybe starting locally is such a great uh, option for people. Now, land-wise, you said land can get up into into the seven figures out in NorCal. How did you solve that? Well, you know, with the pop-up, I, don't, I didn't have to purchase land. And so it's really doing it on someone else's land or someone else's venue. Um, and so I actually still hope to purchase at some point. I still hope for that to be a branch of this business. Um, and that's looking promising, but um, I was ready to start something and I, and I could see how as just me alone, you know, this is a very independent project. The start of this business is like, it really made a lot of sense to go the pop-up route. And yeah. now I'm so glad I did. Like it, it, it is very fitting for me and I, and I could justify it that way beyond just financials. It made sense for many other reasons. But um, yeah, you know, it's like starting a glamping business and you can't buy the land. Like this is another way to go and get into the industry basically. So now let me ask you this. Do you, if it sounds like there's, there's kind of two ways you do this. If I have an event space and I have land and I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm having a wedding. I think it would be cool as shit to have like my relatives all stay on this piece of land in tents. They can call you, they can book with you, you'll set up everything for their wedding. But then yeah. also, if I was like, hey, I want to throw a party, I don't have land. How do you tackle that situation? Yeah, so we we do um, 
say we, that's like a small business owner thing, right? Like I say we, it all but the it's time. actually it's like we. It's true in me. <laughs> it's my dog and me. That's literally what I say as well. And then I say I say it's my family just because of the the moral support that they give me. True that. I mean, I'm not gonna discredit there are other people that get the, to be in the we for sure. Um yeah. What was the question, Lex? I totally lost it. <laughs> land. If I if I want to book yes. you guys, but I don't I'm have the you. land. Yeah. How do you and so I offer like um, location scouting services. And then the longer we're in business, the more I like already have that list of places that I know will welcome my tents on their property or their land. Um, we go to parks for just like, if it's just a party and it's just a daytime setup, we can do it at a park. We can do it at a venue. Um, so yeah, I offer that as part of it if people want to do it. And then another really one, I don't know if I am like cool to name plug or not, but on hip camp, you can find a lot of private campgrounds. So mm. it's like an easy way, you know, I've kind of been find, I've found these ways to find people with property without having to like go knock on people's doors and freak them out. Um, that already are kind of set up for a tent to come in, you know? And so, um, yeah, I, I find it for them if they don't have a place to do it in their own backyard. I love that where you're able to kind of tap into a network of vendors that have land. You're basically land hacking, but with multiple people. It totally is. Yeah. Cause I'm, I, I'm just getting I, around <laughs> land yeah. hacking, but getting around. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to date for my land. We're going to, we're going to, yeah, we're going to see. Which no one, no I'm attachments. Like, I, yeah. I don't want to get tied down. I'm just, yeah, we're no. just figuring it out. Yeah. It's no commitment. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a one night well, thing, you know? <laughs> hey, some of the best memories are a one night thing. Um, <laughs> now I think it's, it's beautiful because it's a win, 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 right? Because the people that have the land, they're making more money than they would on a one night stay for then probably two or three weeks of renting out their property. Yep. Uh, you are making great because you're, you're creating the experience. So they're providing the land, you're pr- providing the experience and the guests get the entire package on yep. a on a price that you basically get to determine, which is awesome. That's true, true entrepreneurial spirit right there. And that's a great, Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's a great, I think uh, there's so many different ways to start in this business and there's so many different avenues that you can take. I've never heard, you're the first person I've ever talked to that has done a, like a pop-up. And I think that that concept is, is awesome to, to not only, start and learn, but also to generate really good cash flow to yes. maybe buy land in the future or go to a bank and say, look, I have done this for the last two years. I know yes. the margins. I know how to do all this. All I'm looking for now is land so I can have a more of a permanent reoccurring system. Yep. Totally so my thought too. Is Does the pop-up only occur when you have a client or do you guys ever do like, hey, I'm going to book this for the weekend and hope to God that someone stays with us. Yeah. So, um, so far it's just been client based, but I am excited you asked that because that is sort of the next phase that is starting now is me booking out, um, a property and then hosting a camp out, glamp out, 
um, and renting out the tents. Um, I'm currently looking for, we have a pumpkin fest in Half Moon Bay. Um, that's a really big deal here. And it's like Coastside Pumpkin Fest. I mean, it's awesome. Just a bunch of NorCals with some pumpkins. Yeah, we're just some Cali people with pumpkins and beach, you know? (laughs) Pumpkins on the beach. Um, And so I'm currently looking for land to host my own event. And I'm really excited to start hosting my own events, too. Um, And that will be almost like more similar to your typical glamping retreat, right? Like renting those out as a stay that's already being offered in a certain place. That's awesome. I love that business strategy as well. Now, walk me through why bell tents. Uh, yeah. You have 12 bell tents that you basically set up for clients and do a pop-ups, but why specifically bell tents? Yeah, so a couple of reasons. One, from a design standpoint, they're freaking gorgeous. Um, you don't even have to decorate a bell tent. It could just be sitting there with a beautiful backdrop. And I, I mean, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's something epic about it. I don't know what it mm-hmm. is. I just think they really, they're a moment, you know, in and of themselves. Um, and then there, I buy, you know, pretty expensive bell tents. They're extremely durable. They're really, really durable canvas. Um, and so I needed something that was going to look beautiful um, to create this experience, you know, and then also was going to be able to go through what I put my tents through. And as you can imagine, as a pop-up, you know, these tents withstand a lot. They are going up and down, up and down. They're being hauled all over. Um, We are currently year round. So they also go through quite a bit of weather. California had quite a bit of rain um, this year. I bragged when I started here, oh, we're California. It's sunny all year round. I can do my business all year round. And then we had like floods all all winter um and so these tents go through a lot and the the grade of canvas that i buy is it's super super durable i've never had a tiny thing on my tents break um and so incredible yeah and and you know what's amazing that people don't realize is once you get it down these tents aren't hard to put up i mean Mm -hmm. sure they weigh almost 100 pounds you got to wheel it or you know be strong enough to carry it or team up but really, once you have it down, we get tents up, we can get a tent up in 20 minutes, you know, That's and incredible. so you don't expect for a tent this large to be able to create a space this huge for someone, but still be able to get it up pretty quickly is is unique and, um, and you know, works great for for what I'm doing. That's I love that. I love, love, love that. I think that um, bell tents in general, I love the phrase that people have to uh, market because they don't know how to sell and people have to sell because they don't know how to build a product. And being able to have the bell tents, I mean, they market themselves. You take a photo of it with a backdrop and it's just, it. you're like, ah, it's it. yeah. I could, I could go it. there. <laughs> yep. We're in the business of, of selling Instagram photos and Instagram backdrops. So we I are. could totally, I could totally, Totally, totally see that. Um, we get a lot of our visitors, like that's the number one thing. They're like, this this checked my Instagram photos for Arizona, the my Instagram yeah. box photos for Arizona. And uh, the amount of content that we get our travelers coming in and just shooting, it's like free promotion for us. Do you, yes. do you see that a lot where obviously like you're doing occasions and different type of parties and stuff where they have their, they're getting so much content. So do you ever like piggyback off their content? You're like, ah, 
let me snag that or do you I guys do. offer photos um i i don't i always take a ton of photos or ask crew to take a ton of photos when a setup is complete before we leave um but i also always ask clients um in like my follow-up when we close out to send me any photos that they're comfortable with me posting and let me tell you like that is the most beautiful part because to actually see i mean i had a woman share it was like the cutest couple and these cutest kids and it was for her husband's birthday surprise and we did this whole thing and like he teared up and cried Lex. I love that. You know what I mean? I love that. And it when yeah, he saw yeah. it and it was just like and she was okay with share it's on our page, you know. She mm-hmm. was okay with sharing that with me because I do I I feel like my clients are my friends really, you know, like they really trust me and um I like getting to know them and so she was comfortable, you know, sharing those intimate moments with me and you can imagine like how I felt, you know, like seeing what that meant to them, the space that we created. So yeah, I always ask clients to, um, to share photos after some do some don't. Um, but it's definitely the best content is getting to see how people enjoy the space for sure. I I love that content for sure. I love that. Um, okay. So let's pivot a little bit and get into the nitty gritty here. Uh, utilities wise, you don't really have to worry about that because you're a pop-up and because uh, when you rent, so two two questions, when you rent land from other people, they already have a lot of that infrastructure, bathrooms, toilets, all of yes. that. So you don't have to worry about that. And then when Correct. you go on someone else's land, obviously they have their home or whatever, and you don't have to worry about that. Have yep. you ever dealt with a scenario where you were like, shoot, we need toilets, we're renting porta potties, or has that never come up? <laughs> it hasn't come up yet, but there are two things happening in that world. Um, it's like toilets is the topic, right? Let's just be real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people want to know. That's what they need. Um, I will go in the woods, but most will not, you know? Um, so I so far have not run into that, but there are places that I'd really like to set up at that don't have facilities. So I do offer to, you know, hire out. Um, Part of what I offer to is just like extra event management if people want me to do that for them. Um, So like vendor management and stuff like that. We can help get porta potties in if people need that. Haven't had it happen yet. Um, And then I'm also kind of like conjuring up these portable, maybe like composting toilet bathrooms or something in my mind right now. So that's to come down the road. But if there was a way I could just bring it in, in a way that's still kind of campy, you know, it's not anything fancy, but like it would allow us to set up on some super off grid land. Yeah. Then, you know, that's kind of in the works. I love it. I love it. Um, Okay. So then permitting, I know that this is the most boring part of the episodes, but this is, I but love it's the scariest learning. word, and we need to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the 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 double P, the poop and the permitting. Um, mm, there you go. Do you guys do a event permit, or are you kind of since it's all a couple hours, you're you're okay with it? Yeah. So when it's just a private client and it's at their private home, then we usually don't need a permit. Um, but when we're going, like, let's say to a park, uh, the park itself is going to require. A permit um and even though no one's gonna come and check you know you mm-hmm. have to cover your back 
um, when I started the permit word was like the scariest one to me for some reason, <laughs> I was so intimidated by that. I guess it's just a world I knew nothing about. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, that was the word that was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and that, right. And then it turns <laughs> out it's so easy. And like, the parks we've set up at that we need permits for, the park itself already has a permit available and you just buy it from them. You yeah. know, it's just like, couldn't be easier. It's not very expensive. You charge the client, obviously, if they want to do it in that space, they pay for the permitting. Um, but it's not even expensive. And it's so easy. Of course, they'll let you go get your own permit. But for the person who is scared of the P word, you know, I'm like, oh, you have this all set up for me. That's wonderful. Um, and and that's how I've done it so far is just like places have already kind of figured that out themselves and made it really easy for me to come in and, and get what I need. I love that. That is, <clears throat> I think the P word is the most frightening word. <laughs> uh, we're in the midst of, <laughs> I haven't told anyone this yet. Um, because it just well, tell me all your us. secrets. <laughs> but the, or, the our ordinance just changed. So our short-term rental ordinance just changed and basically came out with saying that we're not allowed to do any of the things that we're doing anymore. Even though we have our permits, the to live there, we don't have we don't qualify for short-term rental permits. So hmm. I do think that that P word is very very scary, but I think that if you just take it one thing at a time, like starting your glamping business, just create a to-do list and then just knock off the next thing. Um, it becomes a lot more manageable when you do that. And so when you do your pop-up, setting up 12 tents isn't a, a light thing to, to do. Do you have a team that you kind of like yeah. help set up and then who's in that team? It's not like a typical handyman cleaner setup like our the typical dream team. What What's your dream team kind of look like? Yeah. And so, you know, we set up anywhere from one to 12, right? So it's not always these large scale events. Um, but certainly those seem to be coming in more and more. Uh, the dream team is a very, very special <laughs> select of people. Um, it takes a really special kind of person to do what we do. Um, it takes someone extremely strong and with an extremely good attitude I tell people that ask me about getting into this world, like there is literally nothing glamorous about the backside of a pop-up glamping business, like <laughs> nothing, you know what I mean? Like nothing on my end is glamorous. <laughs> I have blisters on my feet, I have bruises on my legs. Um, it is really, really hard work. It's physical labor, you know, and, yeah. and in the elements right? It's not physical labor inside AC or whatever. You know, we were working in 92 degrees the other weekend, mm -hmm. setting up tents. That's killer, you know? Um, and so the dream team consists of these extremely special individuals that are ride or die and can get down like that. Um, and certainly I've had people come help that can't, you know, like yeah. they just don't have it in them to go hard on that level. Um, it amazes me that anyone can go hard on that level when it's not their own dream and passion. Like, I do it because it's my baby, you know, and nothing can stop me. But for the people that help me, it's very special that they're willing to like go through what we go through um, to get these sites set up and cleaned up. Um, so yeah, I do have a crew. I actually have a long list of crew because depending on the job, you know, I need to call out X amount of people. 
Um, but I have a few people that I have three people that rock with me all the time. And then I have a longer list of people that I call up, you know, when we have larger scale and, and we need a bigger crew to come out. I gotcha. And so what do those individuals, what are their, what are their roles? What are their hats? Yeah. So right now, um, no one has a, like a special title. Um, we're all getting in there together, setting up and all getting in there together and cleaning up everything else in the business. I'm personally doing, I will get an assistant at some point, you know, get an accountant at some point. Like those are things that are on the list, but also mm-hmm. hard to handle. Not on the maybe priority a little bit. <laughs> well, they are. Um, but it's getting to a point where I can't manage everything myself. You yeah. know, it's, it's Reli- at that relinquishing point. control is yeah, the so like hardest handing part. over. <laughs> so, so difficult. Um, so it is getting to a point where there will be other hats. There will be other titles like that. Um, yeah. I, I have looked into even just hiring an organizer, like you're uh, for a pop-up, you know, your warehouse space is, is the home of the business and can get really chaotic really easily because things are coming out, going in, coming out, going in. A lot of times when they're going in is at the end of a long day when people are beat, you know? And so um, I've looked into hiring someone to help me manage that space and then um, looked into hiring someone to help me with client communication and a bookkeeper. Um, As far as my crew right now, uh, we all wear the same hat. Um, we go in, we have a plan, we talk about the plan ahead of time. So they kind of understand what the layout is. And then we all just, uh, we get to work. We sort of have systems in place. Like they know, they know the drill now, you know, we know how to set up a tent together. We know one person goes one side, one goes the other side. You know, I don't really have to direct them that much. They kind of know what goes into it. Um, and so right now the crew is just the hands-on labor of getting sites set up. You know, we meet at the warehouse, we get out there, we set it up. And then, um, at the end of the event, we go back, we take it down and we unload. That's awesome. How did you find these, these wonderful individuals, friends of friends? Did you Craigslist, Facebook marketplace? (laughs) On the street, actually. Yeah. Bumble. (laughs) Bumble BFF. (laughs) Yeah. Bumble. That's not a bad idea. Um, Yeah. yeah, So your first message to them: Hey, want to set up a tent with me? Hey, so need some help? Um, (laughs) I'll buy you dinner if you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I. uh, It's a little bit of a mix. So I I hire off of Indeed, um, and so it's a job posting. And I think there's a lot of people around here looking for part time work. Um, and so it's not been hard to, to find people on there, but again, it's, it's like, I always warn people when I'm hiring, like I really stress how hard it is. I see if I can scare them off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, you're not going to know until the, you know, you hit the ground running with them if they really can, yeah. can handle this. Um, but then some of my team is my BFF, Kaylee, she, um, Shout is a school Kaylee. teacher. Shout out Kaylee. She's the friggin' best. Um, she's a school teacher, so she has summers off. So she's been able to help a ton during the summer. And, um, and then my neighbor is like a cool kid that shout out Tyler is a cool kid that was looking for work. And he's my neighbor. And we were talking and I'm like, I have work. You're a strong guy, you know, <laughs> come help me. 
And, um, and so those two have kind of been around from the beginning stages, sort of. And so they have it down super good. And then other crew, I'm just, I found them on Indeed. Um, and also, like, I have some other people, you know, like, um, I have a girl that I used to nanny, and she's mm-hmm. like a, a teenager now, and she comes out. out and, awesome. um, you know, you're gonna have random people that you know, that want some part time work and are willing mm-hmm. to help. But um, I actually like going through Indeed because it does give me the opportunity to really set up expectations clearly yeah. more than I can when it's like um, hiring someone, Your you know, yeah. you know, yeah. The lines can get blurred real quick when yeah. it's just a when it's just a friend compared to hey, this is you're coming a to job. work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is the onboarding for that tough? Because if you're going to indeed and hiring a bunch of it sounds like when when you said that you had a list of, of go to people, those people kind of understand the the processes and the best practices that you have. Uh, when you go to Indeed and hire someone new, how's that onboarding process? Yeah, so I do send um, a write-up and then also tutorial videos on how to set up tents ahead of time. And I tell people, I don't expect you to know how to set up a tent after watching the tutorial video, but I do want you, it helps a lot when people are just familiarized with the process so they can kind of envision how it goes up. And then um, I also send, you know, just a normal onboarding write-up of things to know that I can put in writing. Um, most of the important part actually happens on day one of work and it's taught in person at a job. And so I usually onboard on a cleanup day because a lot of times for a setup, there's more pressure. We might need to be done by a certain time. Um, it, it's, it's hard to be teaching while setting up, but usually I'll start someone on a cleanup day on a cleanup. I have the time to like really show them things and walk through things for the first time and like really take the time to talk that day. And then um, people learn as they go, you know, I'll say I'm always teaching while we're, you know, note this, note this. So I think that's a great uh, way to translate it into uh, having cleaners and handymen. We do the same thing. So I was thinking about like how that would relate to, to my business is we have when we hire new cleaners, we write everything out because it's very easy to hold people accountable when it's in writing. It's very yeah. hard to hold people accountable when you say it over the phone. So we mm-hmm. we first write everything out. So it's exactly what you do, we, we write it out, we send a text, we send an email. However, we get them to learn about the information through through actual writing. Then the next part is we have our new cleaners shadow our old cleaners. So yeah. when, when they do a clean, their first clean is done with the person they're replacing or done with uh, the other cleaner that they're work, going to be working with so that they get that hands-on experience. Because yeah. yes, it's important to get that knowledge and ahead of time, but there's nothing like learning by doing. And so uh, we do the same thing as I think that's so important to do is to really get uh, the people, your your dream team, to learn through your hat write-up and how you get everything, your best practices through text, and then also put them in the field, put them through the field. That's not game day. Put them put them in the field on a practice day, like a clean, uh, like a, like a cleanup day for you, like a just a, a clean for us. So I think that's I love that that uh, 
practice that you do of putting them through a cleanup day so that they can kind of understand, okay, this is what the finished product looks like so that when I have to set these up, this is what I'm going for. I think that's a, yeah. that's a great, that's a great tidbit. What, talk to me about biggest mistakes, biggest, I don't, I don't want to do mistakes. I think a better thing is what's the biggest thing that you kind of through applicability have learned where you're like, oh, I, I want to do this. What's the biggest pivot or kind of change or adaptation that you've made? Yeah. So um, there's a business plan for a reason, right? <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it entails, you know, kind of how much we're spending to start this business and um, if I go back, I could have spent less and wouldn't that be nice? Because maybe now I know things I would have spent that money on towards growth, uh, that would make more sense now. Um, I was very stubborn as I can be. Um, when I started, I really didn't want to choose a target market. I really didn't want to do it. You know, I was like, I want to do the parties where I'm decorating the tent with a disco ball, but I also want to do the camping where we're, it's a camp out in the tent and I don't want to choose, you know, everything about business says like, choose your target market. Um, mm -hmm. And I really didn't want to do it. And so what that led to was me spending a lot of maybe unnecessary money on different decorations or things before I figured out how to like charge the client for that, et cetera. Um, I also didn't get my first booking Lex until eight months in from launch. Okay. Oh so I think there was also part of me that was like, if I just make it this much more amazing, people now, will book. Okay. How, walk me through that. I mean, that, yeah. that eight months is a long time to have no cash flow for you to be like, still, yep. hey, this is the right decision. What, yeah. what, 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 what kept you going through the eight months? So I'd never had a savings account in my life. And the savings account I built, I, I've gone different weird paths in life, right? The savings account I built, I chose to put into Canvas Occasions. And when I made that choice, I internally made the choice that this is going to succeed at all costs because pretty much everything I have, I'm going to put into it. And so it just has to. And I made that commitment to myself deeply that I was going to see it through to success. Also, though, I believed in it that strongly. I never, even in that eight months, doubted that it was going to get there. I really, really believed in what I was investing in. And I, I knew from the get kind of this was going to be a, more of a word of mouth business because it's sort of foreign to people. And so people aren't searching up pop-up glamping. They don't even know it exists for the most part. Um, and so I knew it was going to be word of mouth. I knew that people were going to love it once it got in front of them and tell and share. Um, and so I, I didn't doubt it. It hurt me. It, it, it hurt me financially. Um, I had to work a day job while trying to be a startup business owner. Um, but it was sort of the commitment I'd already made was at all costs. I'm seeing it through to success. And um, yes, it was financially super, super hard. But even then, you know, it's paid off. It worked out. That's incredible. I think that you need to have that. Uh, you need to have the passion to say, I'm going to succeed in this or I'm going to die. Like not that, obviously not that extreme, but kind of that extreme. It's like, if this is <laughs> yeah. going, this is going to work. 
or like there's there's no, that's, there is nothing else. This is going yep. to work. This and is I think it. that yeah. when you start thinking of oh well I have a backup plan if this doesn't work, like you start putting one foot in, one foot out, and there's <clears throat> at least from personal experience. I'm not going to say for everyone, but for me, I've had any business that I've been one foot in, one foot out, never worked. Not going to work. I've, if I said this is going to work, I'm going to put everything that I can into this, It's it's been successful. And I think that that is such a big attribute is you have to – you have to build that confidence though, right? Because that confidence doesn't just come out of nowhere. So yes. I think there is, there is, and I think that you build that confidence through education. And so I think that it all stems back down to education because when you are educated and have an understanding of, hey, this is, this is how it's going to work. This is what I need to do. Then that builds and gives you the permission so that builds the confidence and builds and gives you the permission. I think with mm-hmm. the combination of giving yourself the confidence or getting confidence through education and then build and then giving yourself the permission to do it allows you to then have that attitude of this is going to work and there's no other option. So I yep. think that that combination of spending the eight months of learning, but then also putting all of that money aside to do it and knowing that, hey, I have the money to do this, I'm going to do it, gave you not only the obviously the the permission to do it but then the conference backing that so i think that yeah. that's a beautiful take on being able to uh did you always have that confidence was did that ever kind of lessen and then was there any person in your life or people in your life that kind of said hey keep keep on doing this or were you just kind of like i'm doing this i'm doing this i'm doing this i'm doing this. yeah so interestingly when i told a lot of, well, shout out to Kaylee again. My girl always, she always had it, had a few girlfriends that like, were like, yeah, girl, you're going to kill it, you know? But honestly, like maybe two, like maybe two friends that like got it, you know, because it's also, like I said, it's a unique thing and it's difficult to explain. It's really easy to understand when you see it. It's not really easy to understand when I tell you about it and it's a new world for you. Um, a lot of people in my life were like, Jenna, don't do this. This is the, mm. the craziest idea you've had. Um, you're going to, you know, blow all your money and this is nuts. Like, don't do it, you know? And so I actually had a lot of pushback. Um, but like I said, like this really stemmed from something strong within me. You know, I haven't found happiness in other careers that were already created. Though None of those quite fit me. And I was just like in a chapter of life of like really creating an intentional life, you know, and I, I believed in this business and also needed it. Like I, I needed Mm. this for my journey, you know, Um, I wanted to create a life that I wanted to wake up to every day and go get. Um, And so uh, I didn't have all the support as far as people believing it and cheering me on during those eight months, you know. Um, I think people were nervous, people were nervous, Mm -hmm. but I will say, I don't know if it's wrong or right. I don't care. Fake it till you freaking make it. You know, when people were worried, I was like, don't you worry. It's going to slam, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you just, you do because also people are feeding off you. Right. And so if you're like, just trust me, I know you think it's crazy, but it's going to be amazing. Um, 
that was something I learned too, because I was a little insecure going in at first. I'd be like, well, I'm doing, I'm going to set up tents for people. And then I was like, if I sound like this, why is anyone else going to believe in it? Right. And so I started to just, um, I had this like mantra in my head, which is just like, tell it, you know, like if someone asks me about my business, just tell it, like hype it up. Like this is your thing. And you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to be proud of what you're creating. And so use, you know, like, find that confidence somewhere Mm -hmm. and, and use it. And, and that does make a difference in how people feel about it, the way that you share about it, you know, um, what's cool now is like business like you can. Right. And so it's like, tell it, sell it. You know, um, my mom was one of the people who was really, really scared going in and she cried when I told her I was starting a business and she's like, you're going to lose all your savings. (laughs) And now, you know, she's always like posting about it on her Facebook and like telling all her friends and she keeps saying it again. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's like, if you, it's somewhere in you, right. That you like really believe it enough to put so much on the line. And, um, and so I don't know. It's like finding the confidence or confidence is one of those things, right? When we pretend we have it, it grows for real. And, and that was a big part of it. Yeah. I had to get it tattooed on, (laughs) on my arm to remind myself, uh, I have, what if it turns out better than you could have ever imagined? Yes. Yeah. So I, I just, I just, I just always think I'm like, I'm imagining it to this, but what if it turns out better? And so that I was going to get the tell it tattoo. I'm with yeah. you on that, like, yeah. Yeah, so it's and, like, it's like whatever you can do to give yourself the permission. Because mm-hmm. that's, Alex Ramosi, I'm not sure if you follow him, him and Layla are like awesome. Um, but he says that uh, Queen Elizabeth died six months ago and accumulated more wealth than any, any much as, anyone is pretty much ever going to accumulate. And you have not thought about her one time in the last six months besides me bringing this up. And this is what he said. And if that doesn't give you the permission that no one's going to care what you do after you're dead, then just do it. Just take the leap, take the, yes. take the thing. So that's helped me a lot in uh, giving myself permission to just, just do it. Just go for it. I think yeah. what we do is so amazing. It's such a dream that that's why people might have a hard time accepting it. I'm going to have this beautiful piece of land that people come into, you know, it's such a, it's so, I think it's that great that that's actually why it's hard for people to believe. People will say, you can't do that. Like that, it, you're not allowed to have something that awesome be your career. I actually think it's like, <laughs> no, we need to work a nine to five. Like that's ingrained, Right. Um, it's, maybe it's like, it's that awesome that it's hard for people to believe that it could be a successful reality. Yep. I call it, I call it the middle culture and it has nothing to do with money. It's not like middle class, but it's nothing to do with money. It's, it's the mindset of people thinking that they need the, they need to work the nine to five. They need to struggle and they need to work all of the hours of the day and have this, life that was either they grew up with or that is is told to them by people that are like hey you need this security hey you need don't do this because what if this happens and yeah. it, it's such an easy mindset to be like you're right you know what i'm not gonna do it because because you're right mm-hmm. and 
it's an, I find myself a lot of the times being like, ah, you know what? Maybe I should, maybe they're right. Maybe. And it's so easy to let those voices run in your head. And it's, it's, it's genuinely hard to, to go out on your own. So I commend you and applaud you for, for doing that because I think it's, it takes so much strength to do that. So really, really, really great job on, on everything you're doing. Hey, right back at you. Thanks. Um, so my favorite part of this is I call it experiential travel because we're offering experiences to people that are like none other. Uh, they mm-hmm. are experiences. We touched on a little, a little bit about it in the beginning, but it's experiences that people get to disconnect and then from phones, social media, etc., and reconnect with their loved ones, reconnect with nature, reconnect with the physical universe. Um, and so, and the, the spiritual universe. So I think that there is such a, a beauty in what we're offering. Is there a story that kind of, uh, is your why is, is you look back and you're like, I'm going to keep on doing this because that story is, is what is real to me. And that, and that story is why what I'm doing is what I love to do. Yeah. I mean, I think there are, there are many of them. I think that couple I mentioned was like the most heartwarming one where, like for someone to share tears with me and like the way that it just brought their family together and they appreciate it so much. And like, I think I, that is the why it's like when clients, it really meant something to them and, you know, not to share too much about that client, but they had unique reasons within their family that they couldn't go to a campsite. They had children with certain needs that it wasn't going to work for them to go take a trip at all. And so, um, I think that's why it was so freaking special that we offered something where they got their vacation and they felt like they did. They got their family vacation, you know, and um, it was just a staycation in their beautiful backyard. But like there were, you know, things that wouldn't allow them to do that as a family. And we got to give them something to allow that to happen. And um, and I could see through the footage, like just what it really meant to them, you know, and, uh, and that is the why 100%, you know, it, that's super moving. And when you feel like you fostered that, it's like, um, I mean, nothing beats that feeling, right? That's the why. I love it. I love it. Jenna, thank you so much <laughs> for, for coming on and, and telling us a little about your business. And I wish nothing but success for you and uh, Canvas Occasions. Where can people follow you and, and check you out? Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Lex. It's fun to talk glamping with anyone who will. Um, <laughs> so on Instagram, you can follow us, Canvas underscore Occasions with an S on the end. And then uh, you can also go to canvas-occasions.com and check out the website. I love it. Well, thank you again. And uh, this was awesome. And we'll uh, we'll chat soon. Okay. Thanks, Lex.